Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Jamie, we're both uh, men of arts Okay, yes. I know I know uh, that I've read two books this year, and I know that yep. you've read probably uh, I, I've, zero books I've, this I've year? managed to make my way, uh, uh, despite my inability to read, as we know on this podcast, I, I have managed to make my way uh, 30 pages through Arsene Wenger's uh, autobiography this year. Uh, ignoring any uh, any books, any children's books that I've had to read for my job, uh, that that is depressingly the amount. It, it has been sat on my uh, on my side table the entire time. Um, I don't know where I am in the book. I checked it the other day. I thought I did marked the, the page. Turns out I haven't. So I may have to reread those thirty pages. Um, but that 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 of course yes. Therefore, uh, as a man with a with a book on my side table that I am technically currently reading uh, i am a man of arts so i'm gonna ask you then uh i'm gonna pitch you books okay, okay? and you're gonna decide you know as men of art as we are yep. whether these books are gonna be uh turned into movies or turned into tv shows okay Ooh, do you think you can do okay. that do you think yeah you can no, do yeah that? no but i mean if i've heard of the books if i've heard of the books then yes okay no jamie jamie i'm giving you you are now the head of um uh, of of big bug productions okay right? you are you are the international head of distribution for both our uh, uh, film arm and tv arm all right can you i be the head power. of amazon who are currently trying to get uh, to purchase mgm and therefore remove james bonds from being released in the cinema and also trying to get james bond to appear in spin-off series as well as appear in other amazon series which i read the other day and it depresses me apparently that is what is currently stopping the acquisition of mgm is that <laughs> that would be very dumb to do with the only large event cinema that Britain really releases these days. Um, yeah, but hey, corporate terrible. America sucks. Oh no! Why did you tell me that, Jamie? I'm going to spiral for the rest of the day. <laughs> okay, that no, no, books, books, Al, come on. Books, this books, this books, is how I right, key you right, back Jamie, into reality. Jamie, on that, on that theme, on that theme, obviously you're the head of Amazon. Okay, you got yeah. the power. You know, you've already bought the rights to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. You're making a trilogy set in the the second. Uh, age of whatever that's all great uh the Tolkien estate goes to you and says hey, hey we got a little book called the cimmerillion all right okay the cimmerillion i'm not sure if you know the cimmerillion Jamie. i do I'm, I'm aware of it i've seen i've seen uh stephen colbert talk about it a few times <laughs> okay fantastic the cimmerillion of course uh for fans who don't know is a book full of all the weird lore of lord of the rings which has nothing to do with anything in lord of the rings all right you want to hear you want to hear some fun facts about some angels who were singing a song and then someone decided to stop singing a song and then that guy was satan that's the cimmerillion it's set in the same world but you will not like it unless you're a really big nerd all right i love you jamie are we making this into a movie or are we making this into a tv show okay i guess technically my answer is tv show because what i actually want is a documentary i want i want a or, or a, what do you call them a, a, a mockumentary a mockumentary but it's not a comedy i want to express this it's not a comedy it is a documentary made as if you are in the world of Lord of the Rings and it's documented, it's telling you all of these um, far, far-flung far old stories that happened throughout Middle-earth. And I want it to be fully sincere, absolute, get Ken Burns directing it and, and take it absolutely sincerely. 
Okay, fantastic, fantastic. We, of course, come to uh, my next pitch, Jamie. Of course, you're the head of Amazon. You got all this money. You're Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah. You're sitting there. You just shaved your head. For yeah. all our listeners who can't see, Jamie has just shaved his yeah, head yeah. in preparation no, no. of this. All yeah. right. Uh, going full we just we've just you know i'm sure you'll be really happy we've just bought the rights to uh donald trump's autobiography the one which is coming out uh are we going to make it a tv show or are we going to make it a movie oh that is actually difficult um i think that's a movie i i do think that's a movie if nothing else because I don't want like like if I'm being if I'm forced I have to make this my my real answer is I don't want to make this because I think even if it is exposing everything terrible that Donald Trump has ever done and it's an absolute scathing hit piece uh Donald Trump would feel very happy about the fact that TV was made about him uh and and make him feel self-important so if I have to make it I'm going to go for film just to make him think that there's less to say about him than there necessarily would be in a TV show Okay, good. Okay. Last one, Jamie. Last one okay. coming up, all right? Yep. We've bought the rights to the Bible, all right? Okay. The entire thing, okay? On the one hand, obviously TV show, but some of that stuff gets kind of weird and gets kind of racist. Why not put it into a movie, you know? Why not condense it, you know, the whole of human existence up to a very certain point? Okay. So, my argument would be, uh, we've already made that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the, I'm specifically thinking of the Mel Gibson one, but I do recognize that there have been many <laughs> other movies made about Jesus in general. I don't know why I'm... I did think, oh, we've made that movie, you know, the Mel Gibson one, and then I realized, oh, no, wait, there's so... Like, there's a lot more movies about the Bible than just the, the self-flagellation of Mel Gibson. Um, but I'm going for... Uh, okay, here's here's my pitch. It's... Um, American crime story set of miniseries where each mm. miniseries focuses on one like minor character from the Bible. Like, let's get Job in here. Let's see what what is what is season three of American Bible story, the tale of Job about. <laughs> I really hope I like it. Someone from the I Bible. like it. My my only counter pitch, of course, is uh, what if we had the Bible cinematic universe? All right. Ooh. What if what if rather than having to follow all the different Bible stories, you can just pick your favorite one? All right, okay. You you know Testament kind of guy. You know Testament. You're a little bit Jewish. Then in, you know enjoy the the stories of Job. Uh, I do you only like the New Testament? Well, you got that too, okay. And then it all comes together in the apocalypse. Right? So in the so book of we're, Revelations, we're, we're talking about um, at the end of the first movie. It's it's the credits have rolled. There's uh, the the credits slowly rise up. And then Mary is visited by God and says, we're getting the Jesus initiative together. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you very much for that game, Al. And hello and welcome to Blank Spank, season two, The Hathaway Stashaway. I'm Jamie Loxton, the show where we're chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I am Jamie Loxton and with me as always is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. How are you doing this week, Al? We're we're not going to do a law heavy week, so we've we've got uh, we've got probably a, a solid two minutes to three minutes at the top here where we can just chat. We 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 had a little chat beforehand, but you're moving soon. How you doing? J- uh, well, what's it to you? All right, what's it to you, Jamie? <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, you want to ask me questions about me now? Ooh, let's save it for the camera. All right, you <laughs> monster. What is this? Look, uh, uh, if, if I cannot turn our uh, for our friendly relationship into content in any way, uh, then I refuse to do it. 
I mean, of course. Uh, uh, Jamie, it, it's uh, it's time that we have to uh, turn, of course, to the vaccine watch. Boom, boom. Okay. okay. On vaccine watch. Boom, boom. The question <laughs> has been for the last few weeks, has Al been able to book a vaccine yet? And the answer is yes, Al has been able to book hey! his first vaccine. Hooray. So I'm getting vaccinated at some point in June. Can't remember oh, when. Well, that's Not great. I'm very, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, I hope that Canada's system is going slightly better than, admittedly, Britain doing bring very, very good rollout. I'm very happy with with how quickly we're getting through things. However, in recent weeks, um, we originally were, you know, going down by decade. You know, you did, you did mm. all your frontline workers, you did all them, and then you were like, okay, over sixties, come on in. Over 60s, come on down. We got through the over 60s. Okay, over 50s, come on down. Okay, brilliant. Okay, over 40s, come on down. Now, what do you think might come next, Al? If, if, you, if you had to guess, we've done the over 60s, we've done the over 50s, we've done the over 40s all together. What do you think's going to come next? Over 30s? No, Al, you moron. It's going to be the over 39s, of course. And we're going to tweet about it once, and then we're never going to talk about it again. And then two days later, we're going to tell you now it's the over 38s. And then three days after that, oh, it's the 37s. It's fucking moronic, Al. It's really annoying. And I, I accept that I'm someone who's been very lucky to, to be able to be vaccinated because I got on a vaccine trial. So actually, I'm not lucky. I'm, I'm a brave hero of, <laughs> of, of, the, uh, of the future. Um, but um, so, so while it doesn't necessarily affect me, I've got loads of friends in my 20s. Uh, I've got some friends in their 30s. And it's kind of annoying that, you know, we were going through such a simple system where, you know, every three or four weeks, you'd be told, OK, you're now in that age bracket. Whereas now, if you want to know whether you have to book, you're able to book a vaccine, you basically have to be checking every goddamn fucking day to see whether it's gone down by one, like between six months and, and two years in age groups. It's absolutely absurd. I don't know why we would suddenly start deciding to make things more difficult uh, and, and increase uh, the likelihood that people would not book vaccines uh, when they are eligible. But hey ho. You know, Jamie, it's kind of sad because uh, not only do you live in a country which can't sort out its uh, vaccination system, uh, now, of course, being able to book mine in Canada, I feel very high and mighty, despite <laughs> being uh, convinced for the last six months that I'd never be able to get one until uh, September. Uh, but not only that, but you live in a disgraced country. I think yes. you know what I'm talking about, of course. It's oh. uh, due to... Uh, well, <sighs> actually, I guess I guess I'm going to have to let you decide. You're in the country right now. You, you have your finger on the pulse. Yeah. Okay. Put your finger out, Jamie. Put it on the body of the United Kingdom. Okay. Okay. Now tell me, what was more humiliating: getting zero points in Eurovision or losing to someone who did a bump of cocaine live on TV? <laughs> oh dear, it was tragic. It. What, what was doubly tragic about it is uh, we. We managed to get... Actually, I'm going to call this person out because I don't think they uh, <laughs> they uh, listen to this podcast, so I'm fine. Uh, we were... We'd pl- we'd got people around. We would invi- we'd invited people around. Only six, you know, me, the two people I live with, my girlfriend, and then two friends. And you know what? That felt momentous. It's depressing that it felt momentous because it's six people hanging out inside my home. But it was like, yeah, you know, getting getting everyone together, even though it was only two friends. And one of them fucking dropped out 10 minutes before it started. So it then just became the four people I see all the time and then one other person. It was like, oh, well, this is no longer that fun. And then England got fucking zero points. And look, look, you can you can try and argue that, oh, no, we got zero points because everyone doesn't like Britain. Oh, it's all political. Fuck that. Israel were in the top half. If this is all political, <laughs> then what the fuck are we doing that we're getting zero points and Israel are in the top half with a song that was like, set me free. Get 
fucked. We need to understand. We, we, we're under this fucking delusion that, oh, no, no, we could never get any points. We could never get any points. That's bollocks. The one year we actually fucking tried when we got Andrew Lloyd Webber to do a whole fucking TV show, we came third. We came third that year. And that was because we recognised, oh, it's fucking Eurovision. So if you don't send, no offence to the bloke, I thought he was fine, a fucking wedding singer along. And he's a fine singer, but the actual production itself was akin to just a bloke who, you, a bloke who you'd see on fucking Stars in Your Eyes in 1995. Yeah. Just fucking get someone who's going to try. Just, it's fucking Eurovision. Like, make it camp, make it big, make it exciting. It doesn't fucking matter whether I, it's a good song. I, You're not going to get zero points. Anyway, here's the sorry. issue. I, my problem with, I think, Britain's response to Eurovision is, like, one, I think in terms of just, like, the music we put out of it, like, what wins Eurovision is Europop, right? Like, is yeah. it's a very, like, specific brand of, like... I mean, you say that, like, like a rock music. a rock song didn't just win, but sure. that's that's uh, exception more than the rule. But the rock but, song... But even then, right, like, so, so maybe if you do, like, a rock song or something, you come in there with, like, a... I imagine it was a good production. I imagine yeah, that absolutely. kind of stuff. The, it was, those it was like Alice Cooper-esque. It was very good. Sure. But like consistently, it's like 90% of Eurovision is going to be Europop. And then there's going to be like every year Norway comes on with like the guys in the dragon horns and shit. And it's fucking <laughs> cool. The issue is, I think, is that like, it's, it's not that I'm going to say the UK has too much good music, but most of the UK's good musicians would never touch Eurovision with a barge pole for, for good reason, right? Like it's, and nor would I think they win if you if you no. stuck if you stuck Coldplay or something in there, which you could, you could, like I'm sure yeah. you know if you paid I, enough I, money, but Coldplay they wouldn't would get it. zero points. So no, I agree. They don't win. don't go for you. They wouldn't they wouldn't win, but that's fine. So don't send Coldplay. Get. A good stage designer, get a good costume designer, and grab any old fuck off of YouTube who would absolutely happily yeah. go out and perform in front of millions and millions of people, and I guarantee you'll do better. Will we win? But, no, no, but, but we'll but do something YouTube. more inventive but and that's exciting. Been, that's been the UK's uh, strategy for Eurovision for like not necessarily like get someone off YouTube, but like the issue is is I think we need the Kevin Feige for UK Eurovision. All right, <laughs> we need someone with like a thousand year plan okay we need someone who's gonna sit there and wants to like just i i don't think it's like go to youtube i think it's like go to the brit academy find someone age 18 and then spend like six months like trilling these people right <laughs> you have to be committed to winning your like, you have to want to play the game rather than what it, i think it is which is a bunch of people audition one person like has a semi-decent song and they're like okay you got a kind of fun song Let's put you on and not invest too much money in it. This is the final frontier for global politics, and we need <laughs> to do better, Jamie. We we just need to do better. Yeah, it's it's it was very depressing watching it. Uh, I, I mean, I say that I won my sweepstakes, so um, nice. um, uh, no, bless him. I I was mean about him earlier. I think he's a perfectly fine singer. He was just not right for Eurovision. Simple as that. Uh, and I hope also, he doesn't it, feel disparaged. No, it is also just that like. I genuinely think the UK will... I think the capacity for the UK to win Eurovision is not actually there. So, no. like... No, not it's, at all. It's... I, I, if the UK ever won Eurovision, I'd be bloody amazed. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I belittled the political aspect of it. Um, yeah. The political aspect absolutely plays well, into it. People don't we... want to vote to the U for the UK because <laughs> why the fuck would you? But that doesn't get you zero points. That, well, that, that gets you some of the way. But here's the issue, right? Like... If we're thinking about the UK's block for where we historically get some of the political votes, that's it's normally Ireland, who, who fair enough, are not really fans of us right now. It's normally maybe like Iceland, like a couple of the smaller places. Yeah, Malta, never... you sometimes can you can bank sure. on them for about six points. 
So the question, so really, the thing is like, okay, so the guarantee, the guarantee thing, which normally stops us from getting zeros, Ireland, and Ireland is not going to vote for us right now. So yeah. if there ever was a year where, because there was no Eurovision last year, they did cancel it yeah. last year. So really, this is the first proper post Brexit yeah. Eurovision entry. And also, we keep fucking pissing off Ireland for fair enough reasons. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, not fair enough to us. Ireland are, are, are completely fair enough to be pissed off. Um, that I think if there was every year for us to get zero, it probably was going to be this year. But yeah. uh, sad times, all of I mean, there are also, like, there's also audience vote, right? Like, people watching get to vote. So, like, yeah, it's not exactly. just purely political. It was just that a bunch of people also didn't like the song. Yeah. Anyway, Jamie, anyway, uh, yep. what are we here to do? Okay, absolutely. Well, we're here to chronologically review Anne Hathaway's entire MDB. I said that up top. If you want to know why we're chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire MDB, what's going on, why I'm 15% raccoon, why uh, there's been an apocalypse, uh, we'll go and listen to last week's episode. Uh, we, we did all the heavy lore in last week's episode. You can deal with it there. Uh, now, normally, long-time listeners of the show would know that... Uh, if we're spending this much time up top talking about whatever the fuck we want, uh, that probably means we don't want to talk about this week's film, which is One Day. However, I actually kind of want to talk about this film. I'm excited to talk about this film. Al was surprised to hear me say that um, pre-podcast. So I think we should have an interesting discussion about uh, the adaptation of David Nichols' book One Day from 2011, starring Anne Hathaway and Jim... Jim Sturgis? Is that his name? Uh, yeah, Jim Sturgis. For some reason, I suddenly thought that was someone else. Jamie, I don't, I'm um, not sure why you don't remember. Star, of course, of uh, your favourite movie, uh, Cloud Atlas. I don't spoil it. We've got a section for that later, Al. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know why I've, I've given so much. I've given probably 50% of the information you had about this film, Alexander. It is your opportunity to uh, tell us about uh, One Day. So what can you tell me about this lovely film from 2011? All right, Jamie. Look, look, listen to me. All right, you're a you're a hot shot young director. You're a lone shuffig. Uh, you come off uh, the Academy Award uh, nominated in education, and you think to yourself, "All right, okay, that that got me nominated for an Oscar. What am I going to do to win the Oscar?" And you get you, someone comes up to you and they go, "Hey, you're in the big leads now, baby. Let me pitch you. Uh, let me pitch you a book by the guy who did Start of a Tent." Now, to be fair, this book obviously based on the novel by David Nichols. David Nichols. Uh, screenwriter he's also a novelist um his books are probably things you'll have heard of start of a 10 obviously um book adapted into the uh film starring james mcavoy and um uh also starring benedict cumberbatch really which if you haven't seen jamie you would really like yes no i know i've been told i I, my girlfriend had start of a 10 the book uh and if i did know how to read i would love to read it um but i I have had the i've had the film recommended to me a lot yeah yeah yeah. That, that is actually if there is ever a jamie for friends of the show uh we don't talk about it all the time here jamie fucking loves quizzes all right just sit in front of a quiz all right he's a cheater now solely because he likes quizzes and prepping (laughs) kids for those big old quizzes all right it's a good time um but uh uh, obviously writer of that writer uh for patrick melrose uh, the kind of TV series, uh, and this know, book itself. This book itself, one day, was very successful. Uh, my dad owns it, for example. Which, I mean, if a book has managed to make its way into my dad's reading list, uh, you know, it's probably uh, quite far-reaching. Yeah, and the kind of concept, uh, without giving any spoilers, uh, because I will try and avoid it. Um, that on uh, it follows uh, Dexter Mayhew and Emma Morley. 
uh, a posh, a, a, a posh softy southerner, and ooh, uh, let's say in this movie meant to be someone from the north. Don't yep. know where in the yep. north. And, the and when? Uh, well, we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into. <laughs> Set on uh, Saint Swithin's Day, so it's it's the fifteenth of July, and it goes from nineteen eighty eight all the way up to two thousand and eleven. Um, it's, uh, uh, and we see like this snapshot. Just we see yeah. the the it's, interaction it's between day, these two people on that one day each year. Yeah, one day for eighteen years, kind of across the, their relationship. Um, which you know, again, great concept for a novel. Yeah, right? a great concept for a, I think maybe I a think better concept a good... for a novel than a than a movie. But I, I think a good concept regardless. Like it's a good yeah. good pitch for uh, uh, for that. Um, we then uh, so who's in the movie? Of course, uh, Jim Sturgis. Uh, star of Cloud Atlas. Uh, Patricia Clarkson, uh, who you might remember from... Uh, I'm going to give... I'm sure she's been better stuff. But uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker is slightly in this movie. Yes, I, be- um, I, I I saw her in the credits. I think she plays Anne Hathaway's roommate, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think um, I think she does. The, the um, only other Rafe's... big one, yeah. The only big one, Rafe, Rafe Spall, who Rafe plays... Rafe Spall is actually uh, the only other real big one. Yes. Um, and, and, in fact, then... arguably, outside of... Uh, oh, uh, Dexter's parents, really the only other vaguely character. main character. Um, that, that was a lie, Jamie. I did forget that Matt Berry's in this. Um, oh yes, of course he plays. Um, he plays Dexter's agent. He plays Dexter's yeah, agent. Yeah, just showing up very briefly as Matt Berry, and I'm like, oh, cool, you're in this. Sweet. Uh, the movie uh, was filmed on a budget of uh, how much was it filmed for? It was filmed for about 15 million, so pretty cheap, um, mm-hmm. and made about 56 million. So you know, not necessarily like breaking all world records, but doing pretty well off the budget that uh, it was made for. Now, of course, Jim, you might want to know a little bit about the production. Uh, so. Uh, this is an interesting story, which I'm seeing. Yes, yeah, no, I, I know this story, but I'm excited to, to talk about it. Uh, the the but, casting uh, of Anne Hathaway in this film, because you might think, as, as we've referenced, this is supposed to be a northern character. Uh, this is a pretty small budget, as you say, uh, British-made film. How did... Uh, and and uh, also, uh, supposed to be... Uh, Anne, Anne Hathaway's character supposed to be a nerd. Like, the, the very much the beginning of the, char- the, the the film is the idea that she's, like, an unalluring, nerdy whoa, girl whoa, that the charming gym star just would, would never go for. She's... Yeah, I, 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 she's kind of... Yeah, she, no, look, we know Anne Hathaway can play a nerd, all right? The, the problem is not whether or not Anne Hathaway can play nerdy. We've seen the beginning of Princess Diaries 1, all right? <laughs> that transformation, it's just burned into our collective cultural memory for all time, all right? That's not a problem here. The problem is, of course, uh, Anne Hathaway, we know, can do a fairly decent posh British accent. Yes, she did it in right? Jane Austen. Her, uh, absolutely fine. Her RP is pretty good. Uh, not, not slagging off her RP. Um... I wouldn't want to come in and do a Yorkshire accent. I certainly nope. wouldn't want to do it if I was American. Of course, nope. the story of this coming in is that um, Lone Scherfig didn't really want Americans as... Uh, For obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, and Hathaway was like, I, I want to do this film. She was given the script, flew acro- flown across to uh, meet with the director. Um, she kind of sits down, has a meal with her, uh, and just kind of wholly doesn't sell herself. Um, apparently, it was just the worst meeting. Uh, she was just artic- un- inarticulate. And upon leaving, uh, she wrote out a list of songs for the director to listen to. <laughs> now, look, if you ever have a bad meet, I understand that that got her the job. But what a dick move being like, <laughs> I didn't sell myself. Here's some homework for you to sell me more. But also, genuinely, I like I, I am I would be desperate to know what these fucking songs were. Like what? 
like just the concept that a writer like if, if i'm putting myself in a director's shoes i've had a meeting with a, with an actor an actor who's not of the profile uh, that i'm particularly looking for for a role so i'm not particularly convinced by it but whatever it's anne hathaway she's really she's quite a big bankable star i'll have the meeting with her she comes in she sucks she just bumbles her words she, she has she, she can't pitch herself and she goes to me okay but what about these songs and and i really don't know what what these songs like what could the songs do to convince me to cast her because like like do these songs really show that she's really she's really into the character is it just the fact that she's come up with 10 songs is that it alone it, am i just as a director going fucking hell she's come up with 10 songs for this fucking character that clearly doesn't suit her, her uh casting type Oh, she just guess she really the, fucking that's wants the it. Thing, that's the thing, Jamie. It does suit her casting type. I wouldn't. I, it, I wouldn't say it doesn't suit her casting type. I, I think. I think. Except we, for the fact that she's American, and do I think she's bloody from the north of the UK? No, I no. don't. I. I think we disagree on on. Do I think she suits the casting? I think she suits the casting in a way that Hollywood thinks she suits the casting, but I am actively infuriated that we have seen many films at this point where hollywood tries to convince me that anne hathaway is not an impossibly attractive person no, no, and no, sure. and it infuriates me to no end but but again it's a, so i agree with that i agree with that i would also throw out that like most people if you gave them professional hair and makeup would be very attractive. That's fair. So, so my kind of pitch for in these movies. So I I agree. So the worst. The, I know, you probably haven't seen this film. But the, the worst example of this is the movie uh, She's All That, in which literally all the character does is take off her glasses, and then everyone's yeah. like, "You're the hottest girl in school," and it's terrible. I at least think in these things that like it's mostly just. We'll talk about it as we get into the film. Like, they at least so for example a film like love and other drugs and hathaway's just gorgeous all the way through yeah and it's not that she's not gorgeous in this film but it's more just like they try and make it more of a confidence thing they try and make it more that like yeah that yeah, like I, she's and, just and... unconfident in herself and to be fair you know when she's in her um burrito outfit you know it's it's uh it, it's she just looks normal she does she does i do find that i i don't know if you saw this quote and hathaway talking about this role where uh, it was in reference to someone said like uh, like this character isn't necessarily supposed to be um, uber attractive. Like how do you, how do you feel about that? And uh, it's something along the lines of the question that we're asking. And Anne Hathaway responded, Ah, but in the book, I find that well. Firstly, she said uh, actually. She said something akin to you of, uh, you know, I have professional makeup people and they make me look attractive. Actually, me me looking dowdy and 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 uh, frumpy is actually more natural for me. Uh, and I think that's you, like she doesn't have to work to do that. I think is the the uh, yeah. exact words. And I think that's incorrect because in this movie they like fucking hell. What what? It, how many movies have we seen them fucking back comb Anne Hathaway's yeah, hair? Yeah. Like they are actively working to make her look uh, unattractive. But that's not the bit I found funny. The bit sure. I found funny was her then saying, "Actually, if you read the book, uh, everyone else finds Emma extremely attractive. It's only her and her self confidence uh, that holds her back." So Anne Hathaway's response to that question was, "Actually, I am right for this character." Because the character is supposed to be incredibly attractive. <laughs> it's a very funny response to me, the idea. Uh, anyway, 
Anyway, yes. that's enough. That's right. enough about that's, the behind the speech. scenes. Now, of course, uh, before we go into the movie, we talk about the uh, Six Degrees of Tom Hanks, yes. uh, in which we link the uh, kind of Anne Hathaway in this film to Tom Hanks through other yeah. actors uh, who have been in this and kind of linking them through the line of their filmographies. Of course, to do so, uh, yes. here is it's very easy. Can do it in one. Of course, Jim Sturgis happens to also be in Cloud yes. Atlas. I mean, it's it's very exciting uh, for this podcast to be seeing uh, Jim Sturgis play his own race for the first time in, uh, in film history. <laughs> oh, God, Cloud Atlas sucked. Um, uh, anyway, that, let's not disparage Jim Sturgis. I think it, 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 let's, let's not hold Cloud Atlas against Jim Sturgis uh, in the context of this film. If nothing else, he makes this before Cloud Atlas. So chronologically, we cannot get angry with him for yeah, being Cloud Atlas yet, right? in 20, 2011. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's the sixth screen of Tom Hanks. Really easy. Um, and so, Alex, it's your favorite part of the show. So I will I will cede to you. This film begins in a way which would make a young Edinburgh boy cry who hasn't seen Edinburgh in, ooh, two years. Just nice shots of Edinburgh in the morning. Uh, it's it's dark. It's uh, probably four or five in the morning. Um, the city, most beautiful city in the world. That's right. Fuck every other city. Uh, Vancouver, fine. Toronto, hellhole. London, who wants to be in London? People in London don't like London. People in London would like everyone else to leave London but them so they could enjoy London for what it is. Paris, a crap hole. Rome, pretty nice. <laughs> Edinburgh, bellissimo, bellissimo. All right, no, no better city in the entire world. Uh, a young, uh, uh, a, a young Jim Sturgis and Anne Hathaway are kind of roaming about the city uh, on this uh, June day, July day. Uh, uh, it is at this point. Graduation. That, yeah, that it's, they're at their graduation. It's this point where I would like to uh, set up um, the the Jim Sturgis never looks like Jim Sturgis in this film. Jim Sturgis looks like other people throughout this film. Uh, and I would like to say that at this stage, he is in his Dylan Moran phase. I think he looks like a young Dylan Moran from Black Books at this point. Um, and I could not get it out of my head. Uh, he looks like various different actors throughout this film uh, because as he ages, they, they give I... him very different looks. I would have said he'd be more of a Hugh Granty kind of like, like they go. I can see absolutely Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant a, a young, a young Colin Firth. There's loads of things you could compare him to here. Sure. He also very much on the poster looks like Andrew Garfield to the extent sure. that I thought it was Andrew Garfield in this film until I started watching it. That, that might have been better. Um, the oh. Oh. oh wow! Someone really liked this film, right? Uh, <laughs> so Jim Sturgis, uh, everyone's kind of peeling off. Uh, Jim Sturgis turns on Hathaway. She's wearing big glasses. It's 1989, all right. They're not in style then either. And is like, yo, you want to shack up? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. We're gonna have sex, me and Jim Sturgis. Um, yeah, it's it's made it's made accent. clear all that this like... is the quality of her Yorkshire accent. <laughs> it's not like this, but then sometimes she just sounds American. She goes uh, like this, and then she's like back to Yorkshire. I I fully for the first 20 minutes of this film thought she was just doing like an RP accent. I did not know she, no, she was, was supposed but, to be northern until thing. about 20 minutes. I don't know if this is like a really specific character choice that when in Edinburgh, she's meant to be trying to sound posher than she like She has posh friends. She's at Edinburgh Uni and she's trying to be posher than she is. And then she kind of goes back to it. I don't think it's no, that the because there's nothing the in this which would explain. No one calls her out on it. So it's a weird thing to no. do if that's the case. Um, she's doing but, RP at the beginning though. Yes. I, I, her, the accent is all, all over They the go place. to have sex. Um, I, I know. I had, I had something to say and then you distracted me about the accent. 
Is it about Anne Hathaway? Is it about the graduating? Is it about Jim Sturgis? Nope, it's gone. It's gone. All right, Jamie. You go into your mind palace and think of that. I'll okay. continue going on through. <laughs> Jamie's in his mind palace. So anyway, they go back to uh, her bedroom. It's quite small. She I remember like, it. Okay, <laughs> it took, took me it? three seconds. Sorry, completely ruining the flow of the show. Um, uh, it is very much established at this point that like uh, he doesn't remember. He, she's like, oh, I've met her. I've actually met you loads of times. And it's setting up a dynamic of he's the cool, charming kid. And she's like the little bit of a nerd and is re- very excited to be hooking up with the cool, charming kid. That's the, sure. the dynamic that is set up. And uh, he kind of goes back to uh, her place. She goes to go take a robe off. Um, comes back out, but he's getting dressed. He's gone cold feet. Why is he gone cold feet? We don't know yet. Yeah, it's not really established. <laughs> no, I think he just looks around and is like, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this uh, for uh, whatever. You can imply on that as you want to. Um, she's then like gets a bit annoyed about this. He goes, no, no, I can stay. We can have, we can sleep, and then whatever, just like have a nap. And she's like, what do you think we're going to be in the future? And he says, oh, I'd like to be rich and famous or something along those lines. We then kind of pass forward through time. Uh, she is moving into London. Uh, it is yes. a, one year later. Yep. Uh, she's moving uh, into a flat in London. She's going to London to find herself to be a poet, to write. And he is about to go traveling for a year. He's off to India. Yep. Pretty shortly. His flight is in four hours, which lets you know that this film was before 9-11 because apparently <laughs> you could get to fucking Heathrow before like four hours earlier. So I'm impressed. I know it's only two hours, but still that's uh, rather worrying. Um, you know, the flat she's moving into in London is pretty awful. Uh, it's, it's kind of a classic uh, train spotting-esque flat in London kind of vibe. Not very nice, very scrungy. Uh, but she's excited. Ah, someone who's grown up in London. Ah, that's fine. That's that's pretty standard. That's pretty standard for London, to be honest. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, grew up in London in a very nice house in Beckham. Yeah, all right. Shut up. <laughs> I've I've not, I'm I've lived in in post university flats. I've lived that is true. That with is true. people who don't clean flats. Anyway, um, <laughs> right, um, uh, so yeah, they're so off traveling. Whatever. Next year, sure. uh, she has not become a big writer. She has instead started working for a Mexican restaurant. Um, uh, this is when we are introduced to uh, Rafe Spall, uh, who appears to be some kind of friend, someone who vaguely knows her. Uh, he's, he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, yeah, he's a stand-up. Um, I don't think he works for the... Uh, the restaurant the, yet. The restaurant he does yet. the following year, but uh, mm. at that point he doesn't. Uh, I think Anne Hathaway and Jim Sturgis have a little phone call. Um, he's talking about Jim how Sturgis he's living in it up Paris. in Paris. Uh, he's uh, working as a teacher and sleeping with one of his students um and cool. yeah uh super 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 chill um uh and we meet his parents for the first time his parents are over there to to visit him and they're a little bit like ah oh, what are you what are you doing out here you're not you're not really got much going in for you at the moment he's like ah, i'm young i'm attractive i'm charming i'm sleeping my way across europe leave me alone um we skip to a year, year later uh she's still working at the restaurant rafe spool is now working at the restaurant uh, and uh, Jim Sturgis comes to visit her at the restaurant. Uh, yes, Jim Sturgis really is currently. Remember. Jim Sturgis at this point, I believe, is uh, getting trained as a TV producer. He's working. Yes. Uh, he's like a trainee TV producer. He's living in a flat in London. He has a nice girlfriend, Anne Hathaway. I believe he makes out with his girlfriend in front of Anne Hathaway, and Anne Hathaway doesn't like that because Anne Hathaway has a crush on him. If you yes. don't know, um, I think I think it is around this time where they start to get drinks, um, and and it is at this point where. Uh, both me and my girlfriend started to discuss how how filmy this this is because it is very difficult to believe that these two people wouldn't have fucked yet. <laughs> like it's really difficult. To, like the 
no two human beings have the just dumb amount of sexual tension that these two characters do have and the film is insistent on you noticing that they have like I don't know. Maybe maybe that I'm just not that sort of sexually alluring person. I don't think anyone looks at the way those two look at each other. And if they do, they would have fucked. They just would have. It, it would. They would have got together. Sure. The, the, I, the think idea that, I think it's meant yep. to have been like, this guy is having sex with lots of people, and he doesn't want to ruin the one good thing he has going on. Or like the one f- female friendship he has, I think he he doesn't want to ruin that. Oh, I I'd, I don't necessarily I agree, get that I from he, him. I I think the restriction is more that. coming. Does he? He says that in a couple years time. We move forward in time. Okay. We've had we've had that scene there. They they kind of drink together. They're uh, now in getting... France or somewhere. Yes. Well, he says you need a holiday. The next year they're on a holiday. The next year, same day, they're on a holiday together. They're in France. I and mean, this is they're kind of going through. She's like, "Here are my rules. We're not going to have sex. We're not, you're not going to see me naked. I'm not going to see you pee." Oh, this like, I, I, yeah, play I like. This was where the sexual te- it's this yes, scene yeah, yeah, yeah. where the sexual tension is a, rife. Is a lot. Um, and anyway, so she kind of then goes, "Okay, cool." They they go on the beach, he puts some sun cream on her, of course. What movies insist is the most sexy thing a human being can do, of course. Putting sun cream. It's white goo, guys, and you're putting it on a woman's body, all right? <laughs> there's, it's, there's, it's there's so hot. two things about this that I find very funny. Firstly, he's supposed to have just come out the water, and the ends of his hair is absolutely dripping, but the top is barely, barely wet. So it's very clear he's just had someone, like, hose him down before he's gone on screen. He's not someone that's just come out the water. Anyway, she he then rubs in the sunscreen, and she immediately gets up and goes to the water. Anne, what are yeah, you doing? You've got to wait come 10 on. minutes to let that set in. Come, come on. on, everyone knows that. This is in the 1990s. It's not even waterproof sunscreen, you idiot. Yeah. Um, it's also not super sunny. It turns out it's a nudist beach as well. Yes. He's like, let's get naked. And um, she's like, no. No. Um, yeah, that I, it was also, yeah, very much not sunny. I did find that funny as well. They then go to a bar. They are, this is the part where they are eye-fucking sure. the shit out of each other. Yeah, they're kind of talking, they, you know, they're, they're making stuff. He's like, okay, let's go skinny dipping. He jumps in. She's like, no. He's like, go naked. And she does. Um, she kind of jumps in too. He talks about how she was, I think she said, I think it's at this point she goes, do you know I had a crush on you at uni? And he goes, yeah, of course I knew. Like, it was pretty obvious that you had a yeah, crush on me. We, we, we haven't really talked about it uh, enough. Um, well, we, we, we haven't really mentioned it uh, properly. Uh, we sort of alluded to him being a, like, young Hugh Grant type. Um, Jim Sturgis is playing, like, an unfathomably charming man. Like, that's that's the, the um, archetype he is playing to. He is the British fop who is just absurdly charming uh and good looking i think so i i think he's he's yeah no he's he's, 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 he's a good looking he's, man he's he's not i can't even explain it he's not someone who you would look at him and go oh fuck that's that's the conventional beautiful absent but there's something about him I, and it's maybe I the confidence do, and the charm jamie i do want to yep. throw this out here i think british movies need to start making you know like uh, amongst making you know women who can get whoever they want to i think we need some working class heroes in rom-coms who also are very charming and can get into it because <laughs> it is a really weird like undercurrent which i didn't realize until now that like ev- like everyone's stereotype for charming british man is also the poshest person humanly oh, yeah. possible <laughs> and it is maybe not a good thing now i've realized about it um, yeah probably not um I'm bust so yeah this they, wide his, open, guys. uh his clothes get stolen and it's very embarrassing gets, it's the first 
and it's very funny because he's like a, he's very much a petulant child about yes. it. He's like, oh, he's stealing my clothes. That's it's not funny. They're stealing my clothes. Yeah, um, he's not doing um, accent. But, we cut um, to the yeah. next year, and we have moved out of the Dylan Moran Jim Sturgis phase, and we move very firmly into nineties Chandler Bing. Uh, Jim Sturgis face. I yeah. will not get away from this. Look him up it, if you can find him. Uh, it's around 20 min- 28 minutes into the movie. I say around like I'm not looking at exactly where it is. Uh, but for the next 20 minutes of this movie, he has those like, what would you call those? The the fringe where it pulls either side. Uh, it's not quite a middle parting. It's not a windbreaker. What the fuck do you call it? Fox anyway. Seagull, no, um, yeah, but... yeah, the 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 the. The, the sort of slightly offset parting uh, that Chandler Bing has with uh, a fringe uh, in like the third and fourth seasons of, of Friends. It's a very specific look and he looks exactly like him and it, it freaks me out. Anyway, he's now a host of a show that I guess existed. I don't really get what it's this show is that he hosts. I think he's meant to be... I think he's meant to be Chris Evans. I think it's meant to be like um, TGIF... Uh, yeah it's like slash top of the pops kind of thing yeah a music show but there's definitely a strong um focus on like attractive women uh like dancing around it's 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 not it's like a cross between top of the pops and babe station if you could just like find a halfway house between those and if that was a show that existed in the 90s okay um i think that style of television definitely did like yes the vibe was very and he's now doing the, the worst mockney accent you've ever heard he, <laughs> no not in the worst but he's just like yeah no i'm i'm jim sturgis and i'm coming to you from locked in we're all locked in aren't we tonight ladies and then he goes off and he's like hi yes i'm jim sturgis i still talk like this hello yes that's right, right. yes um, um so yeah he's hosting that show i think at this in in this year they don't actually speak i think they leave like voice messages for each other or something um, yeah, I can't even remember what he does in this episode. Other than there's like a bunch of no, he kisses one of the dancers or one of the singers because she comes back and ends up being someone sure. that he sees quite a few I, times. I I think in this one it's doesn't he then go and do a bunch of uh, coke, then go watch go see his mum. I don't know if that's the same year or if it's the next year, but it is the next thing that sure. happens. But in, within this, yeah, the next thing that happens basically is mum has cancer. Yeah, and uh, or. Well, to be fair, like unknown disease, which I think is meant to be cancer. Yes, um, um it, it she, and and she is the most laconic, depressing, uh, uh dying person you've ever met. Because he turns up and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've got some gifts from you from Emma," and this and he's and they're books, and and she and she just goes, "Oh, maybe tell her to do short stories next time," you know, because I'm fucking dying. She doesn't say the latter part, but that's the implication. I I, I assumed it was because she has some kind of like maybe brain cancer or something and like she struggles to read no no so, i'm fairly certain it means she doesn't have enough time i think she said something along the lines two? of they're quite long these are quite long maybe she should do short story uh, but, yeah, anyway. no, no no she definitely says that but in my head it was because she was like being like no i definitely i definitely think read it's that is, it's to say die. i don't have much long left okay fair enough which is depressing as well. um, um she he is goes, he's super high yeah he then passes out basically well he, he says he's got to go that, I want to. I want to track in on this. He says he's got to go to. Uh, she's like, oh, you know, you can, your dad's resting or whatever, but we'll see you this evening. And and he goes, oh, I've got to go to a film premiere. It's quite an important one. You know, it's the Jurassic Park premiere. Now, Alexander, yeah. we in 2021 or even in 2011, we know what the Jurassic Park. We know that that's sure. an important film. Sure. 
do you Jamie? in nineteen ninety three go it's the Jurassic who's, Park who's Jurassic premiere? Par- who's Jurassic Park filmed by? Steven Spielberg. So I think you would say it's the new Steven Spielberg film. I don't think you would say it's the Jurassic Park premiere. Like that's okay. an established, well known thing. Because it's not. I here's my wait. Do we ever know? They could have been running trailers for it for a long time. All right, all these dinosaurs—they <laughs> would have been cool. Yeah, trailers. but she's very busy having cancer. She's not been seeing that those is, trailers. That is true. She hasn't been able to get the movie. Um, anyway, so as you say, he then passes out, um, and uh, his mum is there when he wakes up, and she's like, "Uh, yeah, so you've missed the whole day. Uh, your dad's not that happy. Uh, he's like bleeding out of his nose onto the." the bed um his dad drives him to the well he drives to the station in his uh i know this means nothing to anyone else but it's a tvr which is not a good sports car it's a sports car but it's not a good one and it annoys me it's a, it unless it's a deliberate choice where it's like oh he's trying to portray the image but he doesn't actually have the money for a good sports car anyway he drives uh, in his sports car his dad's like oh you can come pick it up when you're fucking sober yeah. if you ever turn up again like that i'm not letting you in the house um he leaves a message for uh emma uh being like hey uh could you call me back i'm having a real shitty time but she can't because she's on a date with whomst alexander Rove spool that's right everyone's favorite uh guy who i once saw in a national theater play i think um or maybe <laughs> I, 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 d- I don't know what it was about this it was specifically this scene obviously i recognize oh. anne hathaway i know anne hathaway is a person that exists in 2021 and i also know that she's playing a character on in this scene so i can very much do that but for some reason there was a very weird disconnect with me in this scene we're like why is rafe spool that age in 1993 that's just <laughs> rafe spool what's he doing in 1993 <laughs> it was very odd but he's very good so, i think i think he's probably the best performance in this film i think he's really good yeah I, I think he gives a pretty decent performance of what he's going for as yeah. being kind of uh, in very much when Harry met, uh, not when Harry met Sally, even yeah, no, when Harry met Sally, way of like being Walter and when Harry met Sally, right, being the other guy, just yeah. not being the right guy for the person, yeah, um, but not being cruel or evil, just being the wrong person, yeah. Um, uh, he, their, their, their date goes okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a, a little bit awkward. I think and they he's end up the going exact. Back op- to- he's the exact opposite of um, Dex. He's like yes. he's kind of boring, like Sovaltine, not sexy, but you know he's, he's a stand-up comedian, uh, but not very good at it, not very yeah. funny. Um, he's yeah. a little bit awkward. They then, uh, it's now the next year, uh, Dex is doing a lot of coke, and I think this year goes by pretty quickly. I think he's just, um, he's, he's kind of off his tit kind of thing. I think he phones her up again, and yes. I think she's like, it's five in the morning, go away. Yeah. Um, she's still living with her flatmate at that point. We skip ahead to the next year. Uh, in the next year, I think she is becoming a teacher now. Yes, um, uh, she's she's becoming a teacher, and uh, her and Rafe Spall are now living together. Yes, um, and Jamie, this is the point I needed to stop you, uh, yes. of course. Um, oh, the really fun part. Jamie, you've lived in London uh, your yep. whole life. All right, let's try and think about this. She's meant to be living in Clapton, in Clapton, right? She's yep. a murder mile, so sure, Clapton. House prices in, uh, in what, this is about January 2002, I think, maybe 2001? Uh, no, maybe earlier than that, but maybe the 1990s. I think, I think we're around, ni- we're probably still around 98 or so. Okay. Do you know what the average flat price was in London in 1998? Oh, okay. Uh, I believe the average flat price in London. Uh, just what, 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 what are we talking? Like a one, just average house price. Are we just for, talking av- for, average? Yeah, this is this is an average flat miscellaneous. So it could be. Uh, okay, so uh, um, I believe right now it's probably somewhere around five hundred thousand, which is absurd. Maybe slightly more. In in 1998, pre pre the explosion of the housing market 
I'm gonna okay. I know how much my parents paid for their house in 1972. So I've got two. I've got two extremely far away <laughs> uh, markers. I'm gonna go for 120,000 pounds. So you're a little bit off for now. Actually, right now it's around about 400,000. Still a bit. Okay. Over. Um, uh, back in 1988, it was 91k. Because I sat to myself, because in a later scene, someone goes, she goes, I'm paying the mortgage all by myself, and she's a teacher by herself in London. And I thought to myself, there's no way in hell a teacher in London can afford to buy a flat, uh, even in Clapton. And you know what? At yeah, she fucking gra- can. Probably less than 90 grand if she's living on Murder Mile, as she explicitly says, in this one and a half bedroom. And it's a pretty nice, it's an incredibly nice one and a half bedroom. Like, yeah. it's got a massive outdoor space, it's got a good living room space. And uh, you know what? Really depressing. Yeah, teacher probably could have bought themselves a flat in London yeah. at that point. Um, anyway, so yeah, she's, she's establishing her time there. Um, she's not really... They're, they're showing some cracks, really, with her relationship with Rafe. Um, he's he's a little bit boring. She's not 100% about it. She goes off to a big uh, a, a big dinner with um, uh, with Jim Sturgis, who's now slicked back his hair. You know, it's the late 90s. I unfortunately don't have an actor to compare it to him to at this point. Um, but um, he's clearly... Patrick Bateman. Yeah, yeah, actually it is. It is. It's yeah. very Patrick Bateman. Good uh, good shout. Um, they're out to dinner and he's talking about himself a lot. He's nipping off to the mm-hmm. loo to do coke clearly a lot. Uh, and he's talking about himself. Uh, they eventually get in a little bit of a fight. She's like, look, I came here. I, I have, you know, my doubts about my relationship. I, I wanted to talk to you about it. You're off your fucking nut. You're going and talking to people. You're going and doing uh, cocaine. Uh, I'm, I'm done, basically. Yeah, she's like, famous people only talking about themselves. What? <laughs> that never happens that's crazy um uh, so and, she if, and she's like i love yeah. you but i don't like you anymore yes um, yeah that's, we go that's to the next year he's the next year is where matt berry turns up uh the next year is where matt berry turns up and if you if you thought you knew that this uh character arc was going to go exactly where you thought it was going to go yeah it's going exactly where you thought it was going to go he gets fired uh he's he's a little bit too old now they're looking for someone no, this younger is, this isn't even for the first thing right like over we've kind of skipped over this but like over the course of this he's gone from being having the late lock-in show to he had another show afterwards which his dad showed up for uh his dad showed up on the set for and his dad was like don't read the newspapers and on the front headline of like the daily mirror it's like most annoying man on british tv yes uh, and we should have said a couple uh, years later now he's now yes. working for like a gaming show yeah um, oh like yeah the gaming, gaming show. show yes the gaming show is so weird anyway um we should have also said his mum died at some point um i think i think that's the establishment for the previous one is he's on a bit of a bender because his mum died and he's he's uh, a little bit all over the place. No, I think that's even two years ago. I think it's like, it. it, it anyway, it's, it's a weird, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he's he's on his downward trajectory and he gets fired from this show. His agent, Matt Berry, is like, look, no, no, we'll we'll find you something new. We'll, we'll, we'll get you somewhere. Um, and he, at this point, uh, is now dating the blonde woman who I vaguely mentioned he kissed uh, a long time ago in that um, lo- no, late down I... lockdown. Is that not the same person? No, I don't think it is. Anyway, uh, he's, he's she shows up later. She shows up later in a scene with it. With she shows up later on TV. Yes, the um, one he kisses he, in front of his dad is a different one. Yes, um, uh, so he's he's now dating uh, a a model, a dancer, a, a singer. No, no, is she not? No, no I'm certainly meeting her through like a work. Woman. Oh, she no, no, so I've, I've there are two. There are two blonde people, and I will I will connect them for you in a scene later on. I okay, I'm sorry. I so, do have I have blonde person yeah, blindness. <laughs> they all look the same to me too. I agree. Um, all these Norwegians. Uh, so anyway, um, she then goes to basically he has a he's dating this new woman. She's quite posh. Like it's it's very much he goes to the family house. And they play the weirdest there. fucking game I've ever seen in my life. Can we talk oh, about playing, this game? Are you there, Moriarty? Which are you there, like, Moriarty? Is this a game? Yeah, 
Is yeah, this yeah. a game? Have you heard the of this is, game before? Oh, vaguely. Like, the idea is you're blindfolded, and then one of both of you are blindfolded. You both have the newspaper, and then one of you goes, "Are you there, Moriarty?" And the other one goes, "Like, yes." And then you have to try and hit them on the head by where you heard the sound for them. Yes, but but. It doesn't seem difficult. So they're holding hands no. to, to like keep connected. So the furthest you can be from someone is two arm lengths. I feel like you could always fucking smack someone in the head. Anyway, uh, he gets absolutely wrecked by um, the uh, by the, the, one of the brothers. And the whole family is celebrating. And then I don't really understand why he does what happens next. But he gets challenged by his girlfriend. And before they've even said... So before the game's even really started, he just fucking wails her well, and i he, don't really get it i i think he's meant to not really get the rules so like he he goes she he goes are you ready and she goes yes and as she goes yes he just smacks <laughs> he just smacks her and, like, and then we get the funniest line in the fucking movie as this girl is like being cradled by her mum with a blo- bloody nose and the mum goes in the posh's accent she didn't even ask are you there moriarty <laughs> yeah, it's, good. It's, uh, good. it's very very good line um, um so yeah, it's, it's not gone by forward. that Sure. Um, it gets forty year. Uh, at this point, we are now. Oh no! At this point, um, Emma, Emma, and Rafe Spall break up. Break up. Um, that's where up. we're at. He's, he then shows back up in her flat and is uh, clearly very drunk. Very drunk. He's broken back in. She's like, he's like, it's my flat too. And she goes, No, I was just paying for the mortgage by myself because I could do that in nineteen nineties London. I could do that in nineteen nineties yep. London um, as a teacher. Uh, and uh, basically, the, the longer talk. If this is he, he's clearly bitter. He says, "Oh, uh, you know, I'm, oh, break, I've got a great story for you. Girl breaks up with man because she still loves her college fling or her college crush." And she's like, "That's not true." And she says, "Yes, it is. I've seen your Very diary. Uh, I read your, I read yeah. your poetry." Um, <sighs> and uh, um, we also then get a line which I want to highlight because I will come back to it. But he basically, they, they sort of vaguely reconcile. He apologizes. He says, "Look, I've, I've been having a really rough time." Uh, by the way, you should so show someone your writing. Your writing's really good. You should show it to someone. Uh, I will come back to that line. Um, we skip to the next year. They're at a wedding. Now, Alexander, this is extremely strange because we are now in the second film in the Anne Hathaway uh, film of us uh, where inexplicably there's an Asian theme to a wedding and I cannot explain it. And it's not even that there's an Asian. We remember in Rachel Getting Married, it was an Asian inspired wedding and we couldn't really explain it. Here, she is wearing an Asian dress, uh, oh, that's, and that's, no one well, else is. No, Can no, no, you explain just, it to me? That's just a, that is just a, like, in the same way that, like, Rachel in Friends wears, um, so if you, oh, Chris, I'm trying to think of, like, a touch point for people to, uh, to refer to, but, like, Rachel in Friends occasionally wears dresses like this. We're, we're talking about, like, I, I don't know what the exact cut of this dress is. It starts at, like, a high collar, and it can basically kind of cuts, like, long across the body in an almost, like, um... Uh, almost like a, a jacket kind of thing, but like closed up in. It's uh, it's it's that's you know what I mean, like kind of uh, shortish length in the arms, uh, some kind of collar on the top. I'm, I'm attempting to find the name of this this cut of dress, sure. but I I can't I, I can't. So we'll, we'll, for now we'll refer to it as a, a Chinese dress. I apologize, if that's obviously not the name. Um, I think this is just a 1990s fashion thing. I think it's mm. like, um. But, uh, uh, so I, I, I think that's why, actually, one second, I'll ask Alyssa, Alyssa, you know, there's like, the, uh, kind of like, a type of dress, Hi, which kind of looks Chinese, um, no, but you know what I mean, like, it's in, like, in uh, the movie, did you watch this No, movie. not a, kimono's not a dress, a kimono is a, 
kind of robe. Are you setting me up to fail? Here? No, 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 no. I'm not setting you up to fail. One second. Chinese dress. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the Did she I know which one of Because we don't want to be. So every, we can, can see only, it. I can see Just, Jamie's lips moving, but it I have no idea called, what it is. Oh, it, no, I know what it is because I've read something about this. It is a Chiongasm. Uh, I would not have. I would not Sam, not Chiongasm. It's not a Chiongasm. This is Chiongasam. I'm really sorry for mispronouncing that. There you go. She's wearing one of those. I Is it appropriation? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's the 1990s. Yeah. Okay. Um. My my point was, it's very strange that she like even if if anyone else was dressed in the same style, I would I would understand it. Is the fact that she's the only person, and it confused me uh, to no end. Anyway, she's at this dress. Uh, she's at this wedding, uh, dressed very inappropriately. Um, uh, it's the wedding That's of true. some friends that they know from. Um, oh wait, Anne uh, Hathaway. Yeah. No. Do you mean the wed- Do you mean the bride is wearing this dress? Or do you mean Anne Hathaway is wearing? This I mean dress? Anne Hathaway. I don't think it's super inappropriate. It's not like she's okay. not she's not going around being like I'm Chinese. No, like, she's, it's, not. She's, I, I, it's not. I it's not inappropriate. She's I'm not, just confused. It's appropriation, but it's not necessarily like in, she's not performing a race. She's no, not she's being not. Like, I just find it. I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, it is not my place to say whether or not it's offensive. I just found it confusing that that her character made this choice. Anyway. Um, Write into Both Ben's the- thoughts if you know whether or not it's offensive. And we yeah. will report um, that was way too much of a, uh, a sidetrack. Um, and I want to get to the end of the movie because I want to talk about this movie. Um, sure. So uh, they're forward. at the wedding. They're, they're both at the wedding together. He's now cut his hair. He looks way more, uh, way less uh, the the weird. weird styles he's been uh, going for sure. uh, previously. He's now sort of Andrew Garfield in the social network. The hottest. Um, she then, <laughs> they, he, his, he and his uh, uh, partner are there. She's like, "Who haven't you slept with here? Have you slept with the bride?" And he was like, "No, I haven't slept with the bride." He then goes off and meets uh, Anne Hathaway again for the first time in a while. This is kind of where they uh, like reconvene. She then goes upstairs. They go. They got to like, the, the most picturesque what? roof in all of London, where you can see St Paul's Cathedral and London Eye. Where the fuck did they have this wedding? Did they have this wedding in St Paul's Cathedral and then the reception nearby? What the fuck happened? Anyway, there um, um, at the roof, uh, he says that he's getting married to this woman. Uh, he says it's a shotgun wedding for people who don't know. Like me, I thought a shotgun wedding was just you're being forced into it by the dad. Uh, turns out a shotgun wedding is very specifically uh, that the, the woman is pregnant and you are therefore being forced into it, forced by, the into it by the dad. Um, so um, uh, she's getting she's also yep. got a uh, small advance for her first book. Um, yeah, she uh, she has, is getting her first book published. It's great. Uh, they kind of and they kiss. They kiss. Yeah, they, they have a, they have a little kiss on top um, of the the. Uh, the roof and then we cut away we don't see it it's the next year he's now had the baby he's now a father um she's he's trying, off, he's, he's, trying he's trying he's trying his best um she's he's not uh, bad dad. she's i think she's he's a, a stay-at-home dad essentially um, um i don't think so i think he maybe has opened up his uh cafe around this point he may have done um or he's beginning to at least soon. anyway um, so, uh so she's yeah, I think he's opened his cafe and hathaway's book has been released because he's reading the book to the child uh, and then he gets a call from his um, uh, from his wife, who's sleeping with his best friend. Uh, who who and... offered him a job? Oh no, yes. that's what he's doing. Oh, that's what he's... yes. At the oh, wedding, yes, he's working at the in the kitchen. he gets offered a job, and then um, it's not even that. I think it's he's doing a corporate. I think it's meant to be a, a more corporate thing. To which the guy was like, "Oh, before you do the corporate thing, you can just um, 
work in the kitchen everyone has to work in the kitchen it's like how in disneyland if you want to work in the disney exec you weirdly this is true if you want to work in disneyland uh, like to be part of disney company you have to do a day as like a a couple days as a mascot at disneyland which (laughs) is bizarre Um, you have to go through the whole uh, training it's weird but yeah so he's he's working in the kitchen for now and he's being very humble about it he's like you know i'm just i'm just happy to be doing the work it's fine um uh and yeah she's she's sleeping with the best friend and not only she's sleeping with the best friend um she calls him up while like not while she's fucking but while she's over at this guy's house which is like a brutal thing to do she feels guilty um, i think she feels guilty about it she feels yeah. guilty that this guy's like at home with a baby um, and, like but yeah so uh jim sturgis oh, is like oh, look oh, i know is... i know i'm not great at this uh yeah, but i'm trying but I'm, trying. you know i'm gonna I'm be not, i'm gonna be a better husband i'm gonna you. be a better dad I think he does love her. I think that's the thing. Like, yeah. it, it is real. Um, he does then... It is in this scene that we see the person you were talking about before. There is a, so he's trying to get the baby to go to sleep. They're watching TV together. He watches a scene with... Um, he watches some TV, and on TV is a blonde lady interviewing uh, two basketball players, I think. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. So, this is the woman who he kissed in front of his dad at the beginning of the film, who okay. was later meant to go on to have a lot of success. It's confusing. They do look similar. I appreciate it as confusing. Okay. Um, so we cut to next year. Uh, he's now divorced. Um, he's uh, going to meet. Uh, he's on the train. He's going to meet Anne Hathaway in Paris, who has moved to Paris because she's now a, a burgeoning um, uh, writer. She's got her, uh, you know, a few books out. I think at this point, um, she's got a book, pixie yeah. cut, you know, to suit her new author lifestyle. Um, and uh, yeah, so and he's French, over there. French boyfriend. Yes, she's got a hot French boyfriend. She reveals this. She's like, uh, I've I've met someone. He's not very happy about this. So he says, you know, I'm because and it is revealed that they slept together six months ago. Yes, they how... they slept together. He he. She was like, look, I you know, I just feel like you 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 needed it. <laughs> I felt, felt like I'd chuck you a fuck. Um. Uh. But uh, yeah, he's he's clearly come here thinking that they might um sure. rekindle something. Uh. And so just he she says like, look, you can come meet him. And they they go there. He they can see him at the cafe, and he goes, "Nah, I can't really do this. Um, I think I'm gonna go back to. Fat. I'm gonna grab my stuff. I'm gonna go home." And she's like, "Oh, that's that's sad." Uh, and he walks away. She goes, and and she is living the life, Alexander. She she has the perfect life that she's wanted all along. She is a writer. She's an author. She's living in Paris. She has a sexy French boyfriend who can play the piano. And she's sitting there, and she realizes. Nah, fuck that. I want the, I want that dog goddamn guy from university. Um and so she sprints after him uh and they kiss uh, and so they get together. Uh we cut to the next year. I believe they are either engaged or already married at this point. Um they, they are, are engaged. He is uh at, so this is where he's starting the cafe apologies. He's kind of setting things up, uh putting up some jam jars and he's reading his kind of like what well, the wedding the speech is going to do at the wedding uh to her. Um, she comes over. She's like, "Oh, how you doing?" They kind of kiss, and uh, I think that one's just a short one. Yeah. Well, no, no. This is no. This is all. This is all the same day. Uh, to building up to the big thing, I believe. Um. So no, that's uh, another. No, 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 no. Is it another same, year? Same then? location. That's many years later. They then so they get married. Skip forward. Uh, the um the, his child his uh wee girl is being dropped off at his and Anne's new house yep um which is nice it's like a little cottage it's cute um they're really good fun and hathaway's like i want to get pregnant he's like i want to oh he's yes, like yeah i, I want to do too yeah they then you know it's very steamily uh, get it on um it skips forward again uh it's now in the morning they're kind of arguing with each other she's like oh i, I haven't been able to get pregnant by the way and he's like oh i'm sorry and she's like no i'm sorry too I think we're just both really tense right now. Um, he's like, why don't we go watch a movie or something later after work and we'll just have a chat about it. And she's like, sure. Yeah. She goes for a swim. 
because she's a writer, she can do what the hell she wants in a day. <laughs> um, goes through. I'm actually not sure where this cottage is meant to be in London. I guess if she's going into the London Lido to yep. like where the Olympic Lido. No, I can't remember which one it is. Whatever. Brockwell Lido to um, go for a swim. It's not Brockwell. Um, and come on, build up, to gonna, the, build, build up to it properly, Al. Come on. Well, so here's here's what we forgot to mention. Apologies. Actually, the first thing we see at the beginning of the day is Anne Hathaway on her bike. Um, yeah, and you mean and at the very it, beginning of the film, uh, the very first yeah, thing yeah, we I see. skipped over it. That is entirely on me. It, it's Anne Hathaway on her bike. She goes, she kind of goes past some buses, goes through a lane. That's the f- first thing we see. Apologies. So this I is being one, recreated. She's one once job again, and I yeah. failed it. She is once she again on her bike. She's grown yeah. out her hair. She's no longer got the pixie cut. No, but it's like a bob. You know, it's like it's not pixie, but it's like kind of mid length. No, mid length. It's, it's, it's off her shoulders. Um, she's going. So I don't, this is really important, Jamie, that everyone knows this kind of cut of her hair. Yeah. Um, she then goes uh, on the same path we saw before. She kind of goes past a bus. There's a motorcycle. She goes uh, through an alleyway and bam, gets hit by a truck. Yep. And you see the whole thing. You see, like, like you just see her get hit by a truck. You then see um, the bike under the truck. And then you see Anna Hathaway kind of kind of splayed out on the ground. Got got some some fake blood on her and uh, kind kind of like a like a um you know an out a, a a cartoon outline of a dead body kind of thing one arm up one arm down legs splayed across. I yeah. only say that to make it quite clear just how much this moment did not work for me um, because I think it looks silly. I think plot wise it's fine and we'll get to that. <sighs> but the way it's filmed is arguably comedic. The way she is full-on hit by a truck it's, coming it's, across. It is too reminiscent of Georgina George getting hit by um, the school bus in... Yes, right. yeah, because it, exactly. It, can, it literally comes out of nowhere. It literally, like, even it, if it's we that been, level. The issue is, is like, it's meant to be too much of a, like, you know, like, you're just living your life and then a truck comes along and hits you kind of thing, right? It's meant to be too much of a, like a shock, like a, a jump scare almost. But y- and it's- you just, I, it, does, it doesn't help that my girlfriend told me that this was an incredibly sad film. And when I noticed there were 35 minutes left and they just got married, I just said out loud, mm. oh fuck, one of them's going to die, aren't they? Yeah. So <laughs> um, he then Anyway, so he's, he's calling, he's, he's trying to call her. Um, well, and, no, no, this, yeah. that's that's a little bit before. Yeah, he, he she's lying there on the floor. He is listening to his answering machine because he left him a message being like, I love you. I'm sorry being nasty with each other. I love you with all my heart. We'll sort this out. The next year, it's the anniversary, therefore, of his death. So so it's the anniversary of her death. He is uh, dealing with this uh, by drinking. He's at a club again. He's looking really shit. Tries to hit this woman. The woman's boyfriend's like, nah, bugger off, mate. He's like, no, bugger off to you. And the guy just smashes him into yeah. a glass window. And it, yeah, he gets he gets in a, a bar fight. Uh, and we see him the next morning, uh, I believe, at his ex-wife's house. Um, I think it's or is it is his own yeah, house? It's, it's his own house. He's looking after his... He basically... It's just kid, I think. Yeah, or he maybe he... maybe there's a babysitter. I don't know. Fingers anyway, crossed there's a babysitter. Uh, he's he's at the, the doorway his, to his a house. To pick up the kid. Yeah, he's at the doorway to a house. The kid is there, and she's mm. like, "Daddy," and the ex-wife comes in. It's like, "Oh, yeah. what the fuck?" Uh, looks after. She, him. Well, she's concerned. She is. Yes, no, I, no, no, like absolutely. She's, she's not concerned. angry with him in this moment. No, she's very concerned. Um, she then we then drives get... him to his dad's house, where she yes. drops him off at his dad's house. His dad's like, "You can't. Is this going to be a thing every year?" And he's like, "I don't think I can live without her." And his dad's like, you just got to keep on living like she's still here, like every day. And he's like, I don't think I can do that. And he's like, what do you think I've been doing for the last 10 years? Yeah. Which is quite um, 
so then next year he's he's sort of back on his feet. He's got his cafe back and running. Uh, and and Rafe Spall, they've done Rafe Spall dirty here. They give him a horrible hairline. He looks really rough. Um, but he's come in. Uh, and uh, he they have a little reconciliation. They talk and he talks about how he hated him. Um, because he felt like he didn't deserve Emma. He didn't deserve Anne Hathaway. But he always felt like when they were together, she made he made her happy in a way that Rafe Spall didn't. Uh, yeah, the, and, li- the line is she made you decent and you made her, and in return you made her happy. Yeah, and it it, it, it it Rafe Spall delivers it delivers it well. Yeah, I, I, I like Rafe that Spall's moment. Great. Um, I, and like <laughs> I, it's it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice kind of moment where he's like, oh, you know, we can stay in touch, and he's like, no, I'm okay. No. And he goes, That's yeah, my kids I, th- family. I think we're done here. I do yeah. like that. Rafe Spall's like, no, we, we've had it. Um, uh, and yeah, then they sort it. of hug and and let. Let each other go. That's we it. then, then get the a year... flashback. No, we get a flashback. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, um, well, the, no, no, these, to... begins interc- these are intercutting. So you're right, it is a flashback. It's a flashback back to that first uh, St. Swain's Day. Um, they kind of wake up. She's like, do you want to go up Arthur's seat? Uh, no, I, th- I think he says, uh, he... he's like, sure, i got to go see my parents later in the morning, but like, let's do it. And they then go uh, for a walk up Arthur's seat. We then are intercutting between this scene and then the 2011 and 2011 he's taking his uh daughter up to uh arthur seat two up to the top of Arthur's seat yeah um they then proceed to uh he then proceeds right. he, to yeah he he said basically she he's like well actually my uh parents aren't gonna be back till 2 p.m so uh my flat's empty and we, we could we could and she's like what sober in the daylight and he's like yeah and so they sprint like young youths that they are back down the hill this is after we've seen him having the reminiscing and, and climbing it with his his daughter and just being like yeah i came here with emma um uh, and then yeah they're, they're running through gleefully through the streets of Edinburgh like two people are about to fuck would be uh they get back to the flat and oh his parents are there they're like oh we, we came back early and it's like oh shit um they have a little bit of an awkward oh this is emma and 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 she mm. walks off, um, and then he runs after her and goes, oh, "Actually, I need your I need your phone number." And she's like, "Okay, yeah, you know, here's my number in Edinburgh. Uh, here's my parents' number. Here's their address." Uh, here's my and, yeah, um, and and they they have another uh, loving kiss. Uh, well, no, that's, he, no, yeah, and he, yeah, in a really nice moment. And, yes, um, uh, and then uh, she walks away, and we get him watching her walk away, mm. and that's the end of the film. We spent longer talking about the plot than I thought we would, and I really need to pee, sure. Alexander. Okay, no, can I, we Jamie... take a break? No, can we take a break? Because I want to talk about this film, and I don't want to rush through it because I need to pee. So we're going to take a break. <laughs> so okay, we're going to go, go sprint. And I'll be right I'm just back. going to keep recording. Don't yeah, well, recording. Yeah, well, yeah. No, we're going to. I edit the podcast. What are you talking about? Yes. We'll take a break, and I'll be right back. Blank Spank. And we're back. I am relieved. I am raring. I am ready to go, Alexander. I apologise. That is my fault for just wanting to remain so hydrated and and my vocal cords lubricated for the podcast. But let's talk about this film because I get the impression that you did not like this film. Um, Look, it's not that I don't like... it is ruined for me by the fact that Anne Hathaway's accent is abysmal in this. It is. is Look, I, I... there are like I don't want to be mean. I don't like. There are concessions that could have been made to 
it, it's not even that I think the Yorkshire accent is a bloody difficult accent to do. It's not. Like, it's not... It's maybe difficult to do perfect. It's not done well here. It's re- it's no. really the and like, unfortunately, it may, that's pretty fine for an American audience. Maybe I guess, but it is like, as someone who has lived in Yorkshire, like uh, like it is, it is bad. It's it's the rough. worst I, uh, uh, Yorkshire because most people don't like. It's weird. She can do an English accent fine. At the point you hire Anne Hathaway, and she can't do this accent. Just have her do RP. It, it literally just drops in on certain words and and not always. It's very odd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we can agree. Accent sucks. I, 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 I sort of ha- I found it annoying to begin with, and I just sort of tuned it out by the time I got halfway sure. through the film. So outside of that, um, I don't like romance movies normally. Um, I, I'm it, it, they're much like rom coms, really not my bag. Uh, so I was not expecting to like this movie, and I. I was way. I, I really liked it as strong, and I don't think I'm going to say that. I was very engaged with it, sure. And I think it's, uh, I, and it annoys me that there are a few things that really pull it down. And I will just start with the structure. I think the structure is both its biggest strength and its biggest weakness. I think it really works for the first 80% of this film. I really sure. like the vibes. I like the structure. It's a cool concept. And I think it's a very interestingly shot and paced film. Um, uh, and so doing that one year snapshot each time really works quite well. And it, it makes for an engaging aesthetic experience. And then she dies. And I will accept that uh, my experience of her death uh, was slightly ruined by the fact I was pretty I pretty saw it coming. But even the execution of the death is poor um, to, yeah. to the extent that it's almost comedic. But post death, the then one year snapshots, I feel like suddenly become its weakness because mm. then I guess it ties into I don't really know what this movie is about. Is this well, movie about grief? No, because you don't have enough time post her death to really engage with that at all. You get you get a snapshot of him being do, doing the falling apart grief, and then you get a snapshot of the healing grief. But you don't really get to explore that very much. Is it the story of two young, you, you know, will they, won't they, two people get together, and 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 it finally you get the the happiness of of them getting together. Well, no, because she dies. So what is this movie about? What is the aim of this movie? I will pose that question to you, Alexander, before I go on to my other sure. vague issue what? with it. But I'm not, whether sh- I'm not sure okay. whether it's an issue. I, I'm going to be generous to this film, um, whether or not I think it should be. I, no, not necessarily. I think conceptually this makes more sense in a book. I think in a book I, I where you get that. to spend more time in a character's head or little things and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, it's told over 18 chapters, whatever it is. Um, then I think that makes that's a pretty easy uh, like sell in a book because you can ruminate with it and because like books have more time for you to just be in a character's space and head and get yeah. stuff and and also because I think just like people often talk about like the structure of a story and stuff and like the, like oh the beginning the middle and end and like a lot of that doesn't really work as clearly in novels I think like mm. the 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 way we think of film structure like a three or or even th- like theater and this is the same thing like a three act structure or five act structure any of that kind of stuff like, okay like you know hap- happens in a happens in a book too but books are the are a rare medium where you can meander quite a lot yeah 
like it's and a, a TV has this too a little bit. If you think about if you think of TV uh, story structure in like the kind of like season sense, you know, where you can have episodes which are just filler episodes, right? Books have lots of that stuff, and because of that emotions are easy to experience. The book is about uh, the book, and I think the film therefore too is uh, I think. Um, the, the author described that he's, he's adapting uh, he, no, in university he's reading uh, Tessa D'Urbervilles and there's a line Tessa D'Urbervilles where Tess says something along the lines of like uh, you know birthdays and uh, birthdays anniversaries and stuff are always there through your life and we should remember them but actually and I hadn't noticed it but like the de- like death days are almost days which play backwards too that like yeah the anniversary of a death is something which when you look like both goes forwards you carry it forwards but then also in memory you carry it backwards so it's it's you know it's such a traumatic like a psychically traumatic event that suddenly in retrospect everything else holds significant going forwards so in in a way it's almost it's not but like it's almost the story is to some extent like this man going back to edinburgh with his daughter on the anniversary of his wife's death thinking about all the all the other days that they had yeah to some extent right like and recontextualizing their relationship within in that context of um the other whatever july 14th july 15th July 15th. yeah and in that way it's that's less of a thematic thing and um, that, that's a stru- there's more of a structural thing yeah but it's it's a it's so in the in the way i guess then if we're thinking of it in a Oh great! I was pulling out a fucking English degree, but in a hardy context, what it's about is about like ephemerality. Like it's about yeah. like um, it's time about passing. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about um, the way in which like this two, like all things must pass. That like yeah. um, young love. That like ultimately we all die, and all that kind of stuff is 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 structured to it. And it is that it, that that thing is told through a love story because those pains are, are more strong when told through love um you know they they are more acute we feel it's lost more and you know the passage of time and relationships is perhaps the most the thing which when you're in it when you're telling a traditional story and it's a to b to c to d and those things all link up linearly like those flow and change naturally but when we kind of take it in staccato when we take snapshots of them big things can change in between and yeah i, I quite and- like that and I, I think I have to give this film really, like I say, the the the, the structure is its biggest strength um, for the first eighty percent of the film. Uh, in that first eighty percent, it would be really easy to have this not work. Like yeah. I, I think I think it's you. It, it is easy to underestimate how difficult it is to make this relationship seem realistic and progress realistically when you are only seeing it once a year. And I think they stick that landing really well. I. Yeah. Um, I, so I've asked the question what is this about and I'm going to ask another question which I'm going to answer myself but I, I like that it's uh, it's consistent who is this film about because yeah, for the first 80% of this I was sitting there going Anne Hathaway's character is not developing that much and the only yeah. ways in which she is developing is in relation to Jim Sturgis's character he is the main character in that first yeah. 80% and I was thinking Okay, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. It's going to be great. I'm going to talk about how it's sexist and it's fantastic. I get to be uh, the the fantastic progressive uh, person that I am. Yep, and then she died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then she dies. And so at that point, I'm like, oh, actually, okay. This film is about him. Yeah. It, and it and it's almost unapologetically 
about him. Once she dies mm. and the final moments are about him, then you can sort of recontextualize it and go, okay, actually, this whole story is about him. Now, does that justify, you know, Anne Hathaway's character being quite poor? Like, the only things that sure. happen to her are in relationship to how they affect the men in her life. And that's why I wanted to come back to that line about Rafe Spall telling her that she's a good writer. Yeah. I hate this trope where woman doesn't know how talented she is until man tells her. Um, yeah. And all of that does suck. Yeah. But you're allowed to have a movie about a man. That's allowed. But sure. does it it's suck a... that this movie is, oh, is about well, him? Especially so... because it pitches itself as being about them and in the end it's really about him so i will a, a, i'll say all that and let a you a very good you know. idea and and what i will say is like um i think there are genres in which so for instance the rom-com versus like the re- regular romance is and even romance in general they're actually probably two of the more female dominant uh not dominant but like the, the, compared to the, the majority of movies which uh, in which you have a more like to have a female main character wh- where those things will happen, and I don't think that means this is an inversion of that. I just think it, it kind of it fits within the genre it, it is. Um, what I will say is like I want to compare it to a film I like even less because I don't I don't love this film. I, I think it's like flawed. Um, but but uh, compare it to a film like uh, Love and Other Drugs, yeah. which for probably the first two thirds of that movie I liked way more, and then in the end it was so like as it goes on it goes oh no this is just about jake gyllenhaal and then it, yeah. it keeps turning that up and it keeps being yeah. like it's and just about this one guy she's not even re- and she stops being a character really yeah and but the fact that she is still there all the way to the end like if she had died at some point in love and other drugs you could almost understand that you could then go oh okay i now understand it's, why jake gyllenhaal is clearly the main character sure. of this film yeah, yeah whereas at least in this one what i will say is like what i th- the actual thing I really think is that, like, I just think this this shouldn't be a movie. I think it should be a miniseries. I think it should be, like, a 10-part miniseries. Um, because Ooh, I I'm, think... I'm not but, sure I agree with you on that. I, talk it out, sure. but I'm not sure I agree. But my basic pitch is this. I think if you were to do hour-long episodes, just spent in this kind of day kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, I think, one, you'd have more time to develop her character yep. outside of this purely this relationship. Yeah. Because, like... I think the point, and there are many episodes where, like, not episodes, but they're kind of episodic in this. You know, it's 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 epistolary in nature. And and, and we should be clear that while while a lot of her plot is exclusively revolved around him, he gets a lot of plot that is not revolved around yeah, her. Yeah, he exactly. gets a lot of plot we, development, we never, and character development. Yeah, we never see her really have much about teaching, like like little bits, but no, no, no one really ever talks about them. We never really see her have that much of talking about her writing, except when she's like, "Oh, I can't get my writing published." To him. Um, and I think things like that could be solved with a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is as someone who prefers movies to TV, but I just think that like there are aspects of this where, like, as a Netflix ten-part series or something, limited series, that like one you could have a little bit more of this time with each other, or like either with each other or separated, and that's fine. And you could kind of get around that. Ultimately, in the movie, it is just about him, yeah. really. And I think she has a character, but like I think there's a difference between a character being poorly written, which is I think the character in uh, Love and Other Drugs. I think I, I would say is in the final product is, is a poorly written character. I don't think she's developed enough. Whereas a character like this, where I think it's more so that just like because of a choice of focus, we yeah. see less of her. I don't yeah. think she's a badly written character at all. No, I just at all. think like I just think we don't have enough time um, with her. 
I, I agree with you that the t- a TV miniseries would fix that aspect. My counter argument would be that what you would lose is the enjoyment of the flow and the pacing of seeing this story all play out in one go, which I think is a benefit to the structure and why. But then again, you know, you read the book and you don't read it all in one go. So maybe yeah. maybe you can still get that sense. Um I will sort of come into some summary thoughts as we uh, give our scores. But those were the two main things I wanted to talk about is like, yeah, how how the structure can both be a benefit and a flaw and whether or not who this story is about matters. And I think I agree with you that it's it would be fi- well, I don't know if this was your opinion, but it is fine for this movie to be about him and for him to be the main focal point. But even within that context, she is still underdeveloped and that you can still do more with her, uh, even if he is the overall arc of the film sure, as, yeah. as and, she and, dies and it ends up on him. And I, I, I think sometimes when we talk about... Um... Uh, but when I, we, I mean, the macro like society, like people who are interested in films, talk about female characters in a way of like, oh, we could have them hit these beats, blah blah blah. Like sometimes it can sound a bit like calculating, whereas in reality, all we're basically saying is like, oh, I like this character. Like there, yeah. is, there are things in this character that I like, and I would, I kind of wish I had a little bit more time put on that. That like she got a little bit more fleshed out too, and that maybe at some, of the, you know, maybe do we need all the because there is a section in the middle where it's pretty much just oh, his career's in decline. Yeah. And, like, the counterpoint is she's stuck in a kind of boring relationship. And, like, it w- it's a kind of shame that we don't see any of her dissatisfaction in her late 20s going into her 30s either. Instead, it is purely just in a relationship level. She exists in relationships to, to other men. He exists as an independent figure who is also in relationships, but we never really see those girlfriends. Yeah. So that's, that is a shame. Um, um, so I will let, also let's... just say... Can I yep. just quickly throw in? I know Alyssa, to, to say to, for Alyssa, she hates this movie because of the twist or the, the dying. And it is a twist. Like, it is a... It is a twist, yeah. Term. What I will say about that is, having rewatched it, I think it's less bad than a movie, like, the worst version of this, which is uh, Remember Me, the Robert Pattinson film, which ends with him dying in 9-11. Yeah. Because at least it is structurally about... Like, it is structurally meant to be, okay, it is a, it is about that anniversary yeah. going backwards too. Yes, so exactly. Think, I, like, like the, the entire point is that you, without knowing it, have been watching the day of her death every single yes. time. And I, um, I, I, having rewatched it, I appreciated that more. So yes. It, it's not the anniversary of them or first meeting picking up it's the anniversary of the, the death yeah. and i like that and yeah i in that I way and in that way it is about her right yes. like yeah. in that way it is about her but told through his eyes yes because it is a, it is yeah we don't and, see and, him beforehand we only see him afterwards because yes angry. and i i agree yeah i i enjoy i don't mind the twist being the twist i I don't enjoy the execution of it. Sure. Um, so when, when we do talk about these films, let's get on to our ratings. We uh, have, oh, I think we've got a very interesting Anne's Mans. Uh, so we've got Anne's Mans. I'll start with that. Uh, well, I won't start with it, but I'll mention it first, where we rank all of Anne Hathaway's love interests. Um, uh, we have, of course, the film itself out of five. We have Anne Hathaway's performance out of five. We have uh, the Anne Hathaway's uh, America's sweetheart ometer. How much of America's sweetheart is Anne Hathaway in this film? Um, and then, of course, we decide whether we are going to stash away this film. Um, so let, let's start with my sort of summary. The, the, the film itself, I think the fact that I don't normally like this genre is helping this film a lot. And I will, sure. I will, I will plainly state that, that, that the surprise of with which I enjoyed this film. Um, and I did 
I, I, I was actively quite annoyed with the flaws that I found with it, like the execution of the death, like even actually their their big kiss in Paris. I thought I was annoyed. I didn't feel like they stuck the landing there either. But then I guess retroactively, it turns out that wasn't the landing. So that's fine. Um, but I think the facts that I cared about those things shows that I was very engaged in this plot, that I cared about these characters and this relationship, which I will freely admit I don't normally in in yeah. these sorts of films. So I was really pleasantly surprised with that. I think you seem to not really enjoy Jim Sturgis's character. Um, no, I, 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 well, okay, I, I, I may be mischaracterizing you there and, and you can say your own uh, uh, summary sure. on that. Um, but... Uh, Initially, I felt like, oh, this guy's this guy's not even really a character. He's a character arc. Like for the first 20 minutes, I'm like, sure. this guy is just playing the role of the character arc that we need him to for the plot. And the character kind of went away from that. And I enjoyed that. So the fact that the character himself also surprised me. And I think Jim Sturgis's performance also surprised me. Um, uh also made me really enjoy it. I, I, I really liked his character. I engaged with the journey he was going on. I cared when he lost his partner and I wanted to know he was okay when we saw his grief. Um, and I think that's a credit to the structure, which again is not easy to get. It's really not easy to get this structure right. So even though there are a lot of issues with it, I think this film deserves a lot of credit for managing to pull off this concept uh, if not very well, but managed to pull it off without it uh, being actively bad. Oh, I was trying to, I was delaying myself from saying that. Uh, do I you want me to say my thing and then I, yeah. I, mine's relatively quickly. So here's Go my thing, it. right? I think it's fine. I think it's, I think the director is a director who knows her craft. I, I think she's uh, good. I, I, I don't think this is a particularly good film. Like, um, I, I think it's, I, I, I like everyone involved in it. I like the way it's shot. I don't love the script. I don't love the. I again, Anne Hathaway's like act. We'll get into the performance section, but like I don't think it's good at all. Um, I think she's a decent enough actress. Like she's as we always say, there's only so bad the good a good actor can be. So like, yeah, I'll throw that out there. Um, it it's fine. It's fine. I don't think it says anything profound. I think that's my issue. I think it like what it wants is to be a real weepy and like I cried more at seeing Edinburgh than I did at anything else. <laughs> um, so too like I like it more than love and other drugs, but actually I liked bit, but that said, I liked bits of love and other drugs way more than this. I just disliked the lows of love and other drugs way more. I think I'm giving this a four. Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking back. I, I'm, I'm, I, I will state now that I am, sure that i'm going to look back on this and looking back on the run of films we've been on it might be one of those times on this podcast yeah. where we've been watching absolute dross for two months and so i'm just sure. absolutely bewilderingly yeah. excited to see something that's not dross this is... but the way this is where my this is where my yeah. uh, decimal places are helping me i'm seeing i gave a 3.8 to rachel getting married and i preferred this to rachel getting married jesus christ right <laughs> um, oh, that's just wrong, but sure. Um, the it, it's like the uh, you know the meme where it's like the man who's seen uh, has only ever seen one movie and it's the Isle of Dogs just being like ah this movie is like Isle of Dogs. <laughs> um, it's like you and romance movies just having like the only romance movie you've seen is Rachel getting married. So you're like, well, yes, this movie is better than Rachel getting married. <laughs> 
Um, and otherwise, performance. Um, oh, one. I one. Wow. One, I, hard one. A terrible accent. Should have done it. Should have been. Should have been caught at some point in the process of making this film. I actually think it's poor, and everyone making this movie that they let this movie come out with that accent. I'm sorry. I like, agree. It's bad. I agree. How and and I, I'm going to come back round to this. I think outside of the accent. She's giving a decent performance. Not a great performance, but a decent performance. And I enjoy, I think the chemistry that she has with Jim Sturgis is good. And normally, I would say that it's not her fault that she got cast in a role where she, where, which she wasn't suited for because she couldn't do the accent. However, as we've established from the beginning, it is her fault. Sure. She actively sought out this role. She she convinced the director to cast her over someone who would have been able to do the accent better. So while normally I wouldn't say I would say, oh, it's not an actor's fault that, that they, they were cast poorly. I cannot say that in this context. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't think she should have played this role. I think there are a lot of other actresses that could have done a much better job. Jodie Whittaker, suited. who's in this movie? Jodie Whittaker would have been better. Uh, fucking Billy Piper would have been around the right Oh, age I'm not sure Billy could do a northern accent, but like, well, sure. I, I, I'd probably be I'm fucking sure, better than sure. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yes, you're right. So what would you um, give her? Uh, so I think I'm going to give her a uh, a two. Um, right, I, I, I'm, cool. I'm not quite as, I, I also don't think the accent quite, I, I managed to tune out the accent because I was engaged in the film. Um, um the America's Sweet Tartometer. Zero. She, she's not America's Sweet on this. No, no. She's, she's supposedly Northern. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I will also give her a zero. We've now got Anne's Mans. And right, I went I read... on a, I went on a journey with this man because right, initially, so initially I was like, in the first 20 minutes I was like, this man is is impossibly charming and i think in a way i don't think i uh we we established you might think that this is i'm saying impossibly charming in a bad way it comes across as very sincere his charm in the first 20 15 20 minutes of the film does come across as while caricaturesque it comes across as a sincere charm where you're like oh i understand why everyone likes this man then he starts to become a dickhead for about 20 minutes. He becomes an absolute royal asshole. Um, just, just, uh, and uh, uh, through partially his own fault and partially just uh, the, 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 the bad things that happen uh, to and around him. But then he does redeem himself. He becomes a good man again. Admittedly, less charming and less attractive. Uh, he cool. can't. I didn't say towards the end. He's more looking like Paul yeah. Walker from the from the sure. Fast and the Furious franchise. And no offense to Paul Walker, especially because he's dead. Um, but uh, he's not as attractive as as when here where he is in the early foppish phase. Where are you putting him, Jamie? Stick a number. He, stick a number. I think it's not a number. Yeah, he's um, where he goes in the list. Yeah, I don't. I don't have these numbered. Do you? Have oh, these I have numbered? these numbers, baby. All right, you want to know where okay, it goes for me? Go. Top five. Of course, he's going to knock the rock out of there. Of course, he's going to knock the rock out of there. Fuck the rock. He's coming in at number four. So, of course, my top five is now uh, drug dealer Jake and number five from Love and Other Drugs, Jimmy Boy from One Day and at number four, the best Chris in at Prince uh, from Princess Diaries two in at number three, Bart Simpsons from The Simpsons in at number two, and Hugh Eats People at, from Ella Enchanted in at number one with a bullet. Uh, I think he's coming in number five for me, uh, just below the same. So just below Sexy Butt Jake uh, from cool. from Love and Other Drugs. And I think it is, 
it, you know, if if Jim Sturgis showed me his butt in this film and I thought it was uh, as attractive as Jake Gyllenhaal's butt, uh, then maybe I'd think differently. But he's he's cool. just just coming in between the two Jake Gyllenhaals, which is sad. He's splitting the he's splitting the Jakes, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. So he's just above Jack Nasty from uh, from Brokeback Mountain and just below uh, Sexy Butt Jake from uh, Love and Other Drugs. What's this character's name again? <laughs> what have you put him down? Him Jimmy, I call him Jimmy Boy. I, he's yeah, actually sure. called dexter he's called dexter, dexter. oh yeah De- um murderous dexter then because yeah. of the tv show dexter um there we go and uh alexander uh, of no, course the, not... the most the most important question are you stashing away this film no no wasn't even the best movie i watched last night no <laughs> i put the other movie i watched in i watched two movies it was uh, i also put in um when we don't put something in the the blanks bank we uh, 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 uh excuse office. you alexander excuse you what you have not asked me the question why is it going in your blanks bank yeah it is because you're terrible <laughs> you know what i i was on the fence but fuck you yeah i'm stashing <laughs> away this film <laughs> just to spite you i was very much on the fence but uh i I I th- I think I will come to regret this decision. I think I will come to regret the four I gave to this. I think I will come to regret to uh, to stashing it away. But uh, I I the I think the if if you if you're getting me involved and me engaged, genuinely engaged with a romantic plotline that you are putting in your movie, and it's the driving force of your movie, I think you've got to be doing something right. Uh, so, uh, Alexander, as you were saying, when you don't stash away something, uh, you must choose something else. I have chosen one day. What are you choosing to uh, represent uh, humanity to fight back against the aliens? Again, going uh, this is last week's Obviously, episode, I'm going to do a movie which I other also watched last night, which is also about humanity fighting back against. But this is about robots, not against the aliens. But the Mitchells versus the machines oh, uh, is a. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's not, you know, I'm not saying it's a five-star movie, but it's a really fun four-star film. Um, it's very enjoyable. Great animation. Uh, there is a bit in it which makes me cry, like, the not as hard as the, the beginning of Up, but close to. Uh, if you're far away from home and you're like, oh, miss my family, that bit will make you cry. Uh, yeah, give it a go. It's, it's really enjoyable. I liked it. And it's about people fighting back against external forces which will be good for galvanizing humanity whereas one day we'll be like we'll all die sometimes so why not die now all right no one day we'll be like rafe spool's real funny go watch him rafe spool do a funny goof goof (laughs) um so it's been a while since we've had a a quite severe disagreement on a film um even if i think you're probably more right than i am um but uh before next week's uh episode what can our dear listeners do alexander you can go out there and you can spread the gospel, all right? You're going to teach people how to download our podcast. That's right. Your grandparents, your parents, your 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 Uncle Jim, your Uncle Susie. You go up to Susie and you go, hey, you got a vaccine? She goes, yeah, sure. You're like, great. Download all these episodes. While you're on your runs, this is going to make you really happy, all right? There's so much to learn about the wonderful world of film. Listen to everything we can. Jamie, where can people follow us? Uh, you can follow us at Blanks Bank Pod on Twitter. You can follow us uh, whatever our fucking Instagram is. Uh, you can follow us at, uh, uh, find us at Blanks Bank on Facebook. You can find me at Jamie P. Loxton, Al at Al underscore C's underscore stuff, uh, who still calls our podcast Hanks Bank in his Twitter profile, by the way. You should probably change that. <laughs> I, mean, wait, I found that out weeks ago and I'm thinking, am I going to call Al out on this? And I finally decided to because apparently I'm feeling like a spiteful little bitch today. All right. For um, me and my co-host Jamie. No, fuck you. That's fuck you. That's my thing. That's my right, thing. Then do it. Then do it. Join us next week when we're going to talk about The Dark Knight Rises, where I hope we will probably agree on the quality of that film. Uh, so from me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more up in the bank.
Oh no, I just got hit by a bus. Ooh. I, I, I didn't talk enough about how much that moment sucks. <laughs> Blank spank. 